This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the Liverpool Blood Red podcast. Uh, loads to talk about today. Uh, I'm Connor Dunn. Well, I'm Connor Dunn every day, actually. <laughs> but I'm your host for today, I should have said. Um, and joining me is Ian Doyle. How are you? I'm Ian Doyle and I am Ian Doyle every, every day. day. Yes, I'm fine. Yourself? I'm very old, thank you. And I'm still Connor Dunn. I'm not going to make that joke. because you know. <laughs> This is Kiva O'Neill to my yeah. right. And how are you, Kiva? Kiva, yeah, good. Good. Kiva or Kiva? Kiva, don't be rude. I wasn't the one that said it first. Anyway, (laughs) I digress. Liverpool beat Burnley 3-0 at the weekend. And to be honest, it was a ruthlessly professional performance. Probably one of the best I've seen from Liverpool in a while. Um, Ian, what did you make of it? Uh, Yeah, it was, wasn't it? I mean, Burnley's been one of those grounds that not just Liverpool, but other teams have gone to in recent years and found it a bit difficult. Although, I think as we said in in the podcast before the game, actually Burnley's home record against the top six is not brilliant. But teams don't go there and knock them over two or three, three or four nil. Liverpool... 3-0, 3-0, could have been more, had more chances. Just from the very early stages where Burnley, you know, we know, we know the way they like to play with Ashley Barnes and, and Chris Wood, long balls up there. Not always long balls, but, you know, they're, they're both strong strikers, make the most of their strengths, you know, look to hit them as often as possible. And as soon as Liverpool realised, well, Virgil van Dijk's got this, Joel Matip's got this, the pair of them were feeding off each other, just knocking the ball away all day. And Burnley created... You know, next to nothing in Liverpool then, while not being absolutely brilliant, like they haven't been at any point this season, certainly over 90 minutes, um, they were just able to crack on. Just, you know, as you say, it was just ruthless. It was relentless. They just got the goals, could have had more. And it was a very, very ominous performance if you are any of the other teams. Maybe not so Manchester City, but, you know, the other ones who were hoping to get into that top two, shall we say. I mean... Just Liverpool now are such a winning machine. You know, it was the 13th consecutive league win, and they uh, that, that's a club record. Which, when you consider that they've won 18 league titles and they've won six European Cups, and you know, a lot of them came in the 70s and 80s, in that time they weren't able to string together a sequence of results like that. It shows you how good this team is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, quite a lot was made about Ashley Barnes before the game, actually, Kiva. Um, you know, his scoring record against the top six, I think a third of all of his goals in the Premier League have come against top six sides. He scored as many goals, well, nearly as many goals as Manny and Aguero have in 2019. And, you know, it looked like he might, you know, get a goal. But Fort Van Dyke dealt with the threat, the aerial threat brilliantly. And yeah, I thought he was really superb and just really showed again his true class. And what did you make of his performance particularly? Yeah, I think over the 90 minutes, definitely, the first 20, 25 were a bit, we felt, we looked a little bit disrupted. I think Burnley can have that effect, especially a turf more. It's quite a, a hostile and a positive way of reception. The fans are obviously behind the team and it just didn't look like you were sort of thinking, when are Liverpool just going to take control? And then obviously it took, I think, Alexander-Arnold's deflected goal uh, cross to, to sort of wrestle a tie and then from then even one goal you just knew Liverpool were going to comfortably win uh, Van Dijk's just obviously just been crowned like UEFA's best and he's literally the best in the world he's he, I don't know you just you run out of superlatives to describe him because he is just an unbelievable footballer and I think there was a time was it when um, Barnes got past him a little bit or seemed to get the better of him early on but he just he just seems so relaxed about it. Like I'll let you have a little go, but you probably you're not going to score, like because I'm not going to let you. And obviously it was good for Liverpool to get that clean sheet because I think obviously his defenders and they've been a bit gutted not to get that in the in the past three games before. Um, but just he's just imperious, isn't he? There's 
you could speak about him forever. Just he's just yeah, I just love him. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, there's a few players that I want to talk about. Um and you just mentioned in the clean sheet there, probably nobody more pleased than that with that will be Adrian. Mm. Um what have you made of him so far? Because to be honest, he made, he made a good save um, when it was, was it Wood that came running mm. through and he tipped it off his toes, probably should have scored and I thought that was a decent, decent save. And, you know, again, going to bring back to another stat, but he's 73% saves made, um, which is up there with Edison um, so far this season. Um, and what have you made of him? There's a little bit of chatter about him as well. Well, I mean, he, he's... He obviously wouldn't have expected to go into the first team straight away. Uh, with obviously the only reason he's playing is because Allison's injured. So he, he would have arrived at Liverpool knowing he was going to be second choice. But and he'd hardly played the previous year. But I think it's a great opportunity for him in the sense that he's playing for the European Champions and he's made the most of it. He's already won a, a trophy, which he'd never won one in his entire career, and now in his first was his first start wins the yeah. Super Cup and he's the hero by saving the penalty. And I know he made that mistake against Southampton. Which again, you know, Alisson made. Alisson yeah. made a mistake last year, last year, similar, and it didn't cost Liverpool. It didn't cost Liverpool against Southampton. But the the best thing you could say about him is that when the ball goes into the box and Burnley had all of those corners, certainly in the I think it was the first half they had quite a few. Oh, sorry, uh, yeah, first half yeah, they had quite first, a few. Yeah. First half it was, yeah. That you never thought, oh, the keeper's going to drop this, or the keeper's going to flap at this. I mean, he didn't get to all of them because that's just the nature of corners. You never do if you're a goalkeeper. But when he came for it, he dealt with it, got something on it, got rid of it. And when he's been asked to make saves, as you mentioned, he's made them. And uh, I think Liverpool were a bit clever in terms of their distribution back to him. You know, they did use him, but Burnley weren't, because I've just mentioned about Barnes and Wood not being the quickest, Burnley are not the most mobile. Burnley weren't really up for pressing Liverpool when they were passing it around the back and Burnley, the way that they play, they quite like the opposition to to have the ball. That's the, that's the way that Sean Dyche likes likes his teams to set up, certainly with the plays he's got at the moment at Burnley. And I think that it just allowed Adrian to build a bit of confidence with the ball. He put out a few good throws, his distribution was fine, you know, he made, it was an interesting bit towards the end where, I can't remember who it was, I made mention it in one of, one of my reports after the game, that I think it was Jay Rodriguez who'd come on for Burnley, went through and he had a shot and it was saved and the ball came out to Wood and then Adrian got up and saved it. But yeah. Rodriguez was yeah. already flagged offside, but Adrian either he, he either didn't know or he knew he just didn't want the ball to go in. And that underlined that, as Kiva said, you know, they were so desperate to keep that clean sheet that they, they were even keeping out goals that weren't even going to be allowed anyway. Absolutely. Um, from one end of the pitch to the other, I suppose, because we can't not talk about the front three. Firmino's got a goal and an assist in the game and how can we not talk about him after some of his performances in recent weeks? I feel like this game was like the epitome now of Firmino, what he does best. And I feel like that everyone's saying, you know, Firmino's underrated. After this game, I don't think he is because everyone's saying Firmino's so underrated that people are now going, well, no, he's not. I still Obviously. fans from other clubs who still think I, he's no Yeah, but no, I don't yeah, think... Yeah. Our, he might think, not be your out-and-out out yeah. goal scorer, but his skill level this season yeah. is about a million times better than it's ever been. It's, yeah, crazy. He's he's just un- unbelievable, isn't he? Another player you could talk about. And I think, obviously, what it showed at the weekend, he keeps that balance between Mane and Salah so well, obviously, off the pitch as well, it feels <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, we'll come on to that in two seconds. Yeah, um, <laughs> and he's just... I think he just works so hard from the front like Suarez used to do and I feel like you need that player who's just going to, you know, defend from the front. And so that attitude, I think it's infectious and obviously his smile and everything about him is infectious. You love to see him score. Obviously his celebrations are always fun. He just seems like a, you know, off the pitch in the dressing room, like a lad who'd bring them together and, you know, be a laugh as well, which is obviously good for team morale. And he's... 
I, I don't think he is underrated anymore. Surely other fans can see how brilliant he is at football. And I just hope this season he can kick on and get more goals than he scored in the last few seasons because I feel like he looks better right now than he's ever looked before. And he's the one player I think of Liverpool lost. I think I'd, I'd prefer to lose Mane and Salah before Firmino. That's how I feel about him because I think a lot of fans would. I know it's a mad show because Mane and Salah obviously score more goals than him. But what he brings to the team is just something special and dynamic and obviously that little bit of Brazilian flair which we've seen against Arsenal as well and which we see pretty much every game from him and he hardly misses a game. Yeah, he hardly misses absolutely. a game. I don't think the, the second goal, I don't think it was a coincidence that it was him that picked up that mistake from Ben Mee. It was a bad pass but yeah. it's the fact that Firmino was there he was dropping into that position just off the, 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 the forward line. Yeah, line, just yeah. basically just in front of, between the defence and the midfield. But then he didn't really know what to do with him, to be honest. And that's not just them. There's been almost every team this season. Look at what he did against Chelsea in the Super Cup when he came on at half time. Made such a massive difference there, and, and against and against Arsenal because it was him. It's, he puts that thought in the player's mind that oh, I better do this. What's I mean, he, he could have just belted it. Obviously, he yeah. could have just belted <laughs> it. But then that would have been gifting Liverpool back the opposition. But it all comes to the pressure. It's the pressure from the front, you know, and it's Firmino that. that that leads that and because that, of the way he plays but it's all very well running around and harassing other players but he then got the ball and a lot of other players would have just panicked a little bit and looked to play Manny in straight away or get rid of the ball or just pass it on to somebody else Draw the defender in Yeah but he just went Wait, I'm off now yeah. and he just went off for a run he's got the confidence and then waited for the right moment to put the pass in for Manny that basically just said here you go score you know, he just invited him to shoot where he where he ended up shooting and then for the second goal uh, the third goal sorry um you saw what I know. I know what was it an assist from Salah? You know, I mean, I mentioned it was. I've been quite generous there, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. He's still, he's still, I'm gonna give we'll it to give him. It to yeah, him. Uh, but it, it was for me. I was passing the first place. He puts <laughs> it up to him, and then he just bombs on to to, to catch up to it. And it's it first time. And as Kiva said, if you can get a few more goals, I mean, he scored a lot of goals, uh, 2017, 18, but ten of those came in the the Champions League. But if you can get a few more goals, then what is he? He's. I mean, a lot of the players were speaking after the game, weren't they? Saying we don't know what you know what we do without him kind of thing and, and Jurgen Klopp was speaking afterwards and he basically said look there are players out there who do have the qualities and attributes of the general play that Firmino's got didn't name any names because obviously he knew quite well we'd immediately go oh he's going to go in for them <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as a replacement but he then said the attitude that Firmino has that is exceptional yeah he mm. sets it, it sets him apart from everybody else that is probably the ultimate example of just having talent is not enough you have to have it you know, in the head as well, and be able to put in that work because a lot of what he does isn't particularly, you know, eye catching. But then when he comes out, as you've said, with this flair that he's showing better than ever now, that you know, these little flicks and all of that kind of stuff like that, little flicked it up against Arsenal, didn't he, with that shot? And then he's, he's shot on the turn against City and, and Norwich, wasn't it? So, yeah, he's got it all, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And I just wonder what you think. You know, we've talked about his flair, you talked a little bit about his confidence there. Do you think he's had a bit of a realization that perhaps defences, don't quite know how to play him because he's a sort of different sort of striker than they perhaps would have been used to in their own clubs against other opposition. He has quite a unique role in Liverpool. That team kind of works around him. Do you think he's realised that and he thinks, I can do a bit more for the team. I can show off a bit more of these skills. I can do... You've got to bear in mind, there was a point during the beginning months of last season where he wasn't playing particularly well. And it was Manny that was dragging Firmino yeah. and Salah. And they changed the formation to 4-2-3-1 and Firmino ended up playing in behind Salah as the as, as the main striker. But even when he was then playing 
uh, as the number nine. He was dropping massively deep, and I think that was to build his confidence to get him more in the game. But now he's doing it just because, he, as you say, he knows no one's going to come near me here. And if they do come near me, I'm either dragging a midfielder out, that means our midfielders have got more space, or I'm dragging a centre-back forward, and it means one of our wingers can just dash in there because both Manny and Salah can play down the middle. So it's it's not Liverpool's problem, really, is it? It's not the problem. And uh, But the, the interesting thing about that, then, is if another team plays that way, Liverpool have been training every single day against, against, that, against that kind of thing. Yeah. So this is another reason why if you've got the best players in the world, it helps everybody else in your relative positions because they're training against them every single day. Absolutely. Um, Kiva, I know you mentioned a little bit there about Salah and Mane. There was a bit of an incident after the game. Tell me a little bit more and what you made of it. Yeah, well, obviously... Mane come off, didn't he? And was a bit upset to have uh, came off and everyone was wondering what it about. And obviously I think it was about when Salah should have maybe passed to Mane. Um, but obviously he's a striker and hungry himself and took the shot on. Um, I just, I think the situation's not, it's not really one, is it? I feel like sometimes, you know, social media and just general media can make things like the telly and then they were replaying it and making it into an issue. And obviously, you know, we're going to talk about it, but I don't think there's anything really there other than just two really, really good footballers being really competitive and wanting to score goals. And obviously it was at that time when Liverpool were 100% winning the game. So maybe Mane feels like he, Salah could have been a bit more generous, but he's got every right to, to take on the shot. And I don't think going forward, it's anything to worry about in long term. Definitely not because, you know, it's good that these players have that desire and that hunger. Obviously, it's a little bit disappointing that Manny sort of showed it. I think he should have maybe tried to keep it on the wraps. But then again, you know, it is, like I've said, that hunger and just it's sort of sometimes nice to see them do a little a little bit of that because you never see it, do you? You know, obviously we, we're not privy to any sort of dressing room video or anything like that. So the bench is literally all we get to see, isn't it? So, you know, sometimes it does make for a little bit of light entertainment, doesn't it? A little bit of something. Because every single footballer, an ex-footballer who's been asked about that basically just went, who cares? Yeah. You know, he's, he cares, you it's know. Totally the, right actually, exactly, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Because I know... I think it's also an example of Liverpool are doing so well at the moment that anything that looks like it might be a bit of an issue, the detractors are, are going to jump on it straight away and go, oh, but look at this. And it feeds into that old, I hate the phrase narrative, but there you go, uh, of this time last year when it was Salah doesn't pass to, to Mane, which ends up you know, being complete nonsense as, as has been borne out by the statistics. And I had a quick look. Somebody was having a go yesterday saying, why doesn't Salah pass? And it's like... Out with the three forwards, he set up more goals in the yeah. Premier League than the, than any any of the others. Any either Mane or Firmino, or assists, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So it is like, to be honest, who cares? And also, you mentioned video. There was the one video, wasn't it, in the tunnel? Which I think sums it all up because Firmino that suggests Stuck in that the, the middle. Per, that suggests that the pair of them are like that quite a lot in training, where they're just desperate to outscore each other and. Let's face it, it was 3-0 against Burnley. Liverpool are winning the 13th game in a row in the league. They're, gonna, they're going back to the top of the table. If, if you're going to have any kind of these kind of minor spats, then that's a good time to do it, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And I think probably the main point to note from it all, they are players at the top of their profession. They are world-class. And you don't get to that position by not being a little bit selfish, by yeah. not wanting to score goals. And You, and don't, you don't want a non-selfish striker, do you? That is how it is. You yeah. say selfish as well, and they are, but 
this front three, I think I read before, this might just be off, but it was like 115 appearances with them playing together. Like 164, like something like that. It's a lot. Something like it's that. A lot, yeah. And it's just like, you know. They're well shared, yeah, the goals, yeah. aren't they? But yeah, you know, you, you get the point. Um, as you say, Liverpool going back on top of the mm. Premier League with that win. Only team to have four wins out of four. It's been a superb start to the season, won the Super Cup as well. I don't think you could have wished for August to have gone much better just into September. Um, going into the international break. But right on their heels, as always, and as has been the story of all of our season, is Manchester City. Mm. Ian, is it a two-horse race already? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, we only had to see that from watching Tottenham against Arsenal on Sunday, which was very entertaining. But I thought Tottenham were a little bit unlucky. I think Tot- Tottenham's a weird team. They're a weird team at the moment because I think they're better than Arsenal. They're clearly better than Chelsea and they're better than United. So they should really be the main ones that are up against uh, Liverpool and City. Like, that's you know. The, for a reason why they got to the Champions League final last year and the reality is they would have finished third a lot nearer had they not got to the Champions League final they were a little bit they were a little bit bit distracted by that and who wouldn't be Um, but yeah Arsenal they spent all the money on the wrong part of the team I mean, you only have to look at the defence and it's it's been that for a while now so I don't really I'm starting to think that, that Signing Nicholas Pepe, who may or may not have been linked with Liverpool as we know we've done this we've done this all the way all summer he um it's it seems to be one just to sate the fans in terms of look we spent loads of money on this but again not Liverpool's problem can't see, you know Liverpool obviously knocked over Arsenal last week three one I think Arsenal will be better than they were last year anywhere nearer to Liverpool a little bit anywhere close though no uh, United no uh, Chelsea you know the transfer thing isn't helping them and that brings back to Tottenham where clearly something's not quite right behind the scenes that. I don't understand why, because they finally had the opportunity to spend money, and I think they've actually bought some good players as well, yeah. which, which which will help them. But for whatever reason, Pochettino spotted something in that dressing room, and he wants it sorted. So if he can, if he can get that sorted, Tottenham will be... I think they might be a bit nearer to Liverpool and City than they were last year, but no, it's between Liverpool and City already, which in some ways is a little bit disappointing. A little bit disappointing. You don't want it to be too boring. If you're not supporting Liverpool or City, you're already thinking, oh, well, this is just between those two. And... The reality is, it is. Are you bored? No, I don't think so. <laughs> you know what I mean by that. 12, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's like if you support Liverpool 12. or City, it's like, oh, it's great. But you want, if you want City to start losing some games or being, you know, teams being competitive against them, do you want some of them to be a bit nearer? If we're being honest. Yeah, I get that. But I personally, I don't think I find it boring. I don't know what you think. No, I think this this weekend was very telling. Obviously, Chelsea blew a two 0 lead. Tottenham did. Um, United, you could throw them in there. They obviously went ahead and then were pegged back. I feel like it was telling that Liverpool and Man City are just a cut above the rest and it feels like it's going to take another transfer window, maybe even next summer into next season for any of the other four teams in the top six to really mount a serious challenge unless you know one of them can sort of get a few wins under the belt and try and catch up a little bit. You know, Beating City or Liverpool would obviously help that. Liverpool have obviously got a perfect start and then City did drop points to Tottenham, which makes you think maybe Tottenham, but then obviously Tottenham then do what they do yesterday and get beat last week to Newcastle. So you're thinking none of these teams quite have that ilk of just sort of Liverpool and City. And I'm so happy Liverpool finally have it. They just know, they just find a way to win. And I just feel like obviously there is a golfing class there. But I think as the season draws on, it might get, you know, to the December time, maybe, you know, 
Liverpool might actually lose a game. It doesn't seem possible right now, but <laughs> this could happen. And, you know, obviously what happened with City last season and then they got, you know, clawed it back. So I feel like, you know, the other teams will battle, but it does annoy you a little bit because you feel like it's already a race for top four rather than a race for the well, title, well, well, which would have been more exciting. Four, we've had four games. This was any other season, most normal seasons. If Liverpool and City had won one and drawn two, or whoever had been up towards the top the previous season... Everyone would just say, well, we've only had four games, so there's loads of time to catch up because of the standards that Liverpool and City are setting. That's why when they, they're already at the top and already Liverpool beating Arsenal, you know, City drew with Tottenham, but re- reality is they absolutely destroyed them and, and they could have yeah. easily have won that game on the balance of play. They're, they're so far ahead. I mean, what is it, September now? And between those two teams, they've only lost two games in the league this calendar year. And one of those is when they played each other. So, you know, that that's the standard that, that, that the rest have to... You know, aspire to and I just think Liverpool and City are just so far away from everybody else just already relentless yeah. yeah absolutely and obviously it's great that you know Liverpool are sitting top of the Premier League mm, and that's just, not boring just yeah. slightly just ahead and... yeah. <laughs> the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo it must be said um, there was some youth teams in action over the weekend and that was where there certainly wasn't a golfing class and that was between Liverpool and Manchester City I was you in were there, place you were there, yes. and to see the under 23s and, and I'll were hand you over. Conor Don that day? I was still you, Conor Don yeah. how, how did it go then? What happened what has been happening to the under 23s because they got a good win against Southampton on last Monday but yeah, pulled themselves been be- off in the Premier League been, too for that yeah, day yeah they've beaten they've been beaten heavily by Tottenham Chelsea and now Manchester City Yeah, was it a 4-1 game? It wasn't, to be honest. Um, I think, well, Neil Critchley said afterwards, that's the under-23s manager, he was a little bit bewildered, bewildered by the scoreline. And I, I completely agree. So the first half, to be honest, it looked pretty even. Um, Liverpool had a couple of chances. City had a couple of chances. Um, City, I think the things to note, City's first goal was from a corner where they just, you know, lost their man at the back post. It was a free header. It's goal. Um, Liverpool get a penalty. Um, score and it's 1-1. You know, 43 minutes, you're looking like you're going into halftime with a draw and then City get a penalty, a bit of a rush. Rush out of the box by Atherton, the goalkeeper, and, you know, it was clever play from the City wing. And Bernabe fell over in the box and it was a penalty. And, you know, you're going in 2-1 and that gives City a massive lift. Three minutes after halftime, a wide free kick City get. There's a bit of confusion in Liverpool defence. Hoover runs backwards, breaks the line, then runs back towards the the main defensive lineup, and, you know, City crossed the ball and Adam tips it out, but there's two City players waiting to, to turn it home and that's 3-1. And that the, the the nature of the goals and the, the minutes that they came in really, really didn't help Liverpool. Um, and I think that, that was kind of what undid them. There was a little bit of a difference in physicality and size, but you, then you've got to remember Harvey Elliott, Hoover, Vandenberg, 16, 17 years old, and they're playing against 22-year-olds, 21-year-olds, mm. and obviously that's a massive difference, especially at that age as well. And Anfield as well, which would have meant, well, there wasn't many people there because of the scheduling of the game, I would have thought that it's still a big deal for these. It was the first time Elliott would have played at Anfield, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And it, Vandenberg, actually. T- to be honest, bo- both Elliott and Vandenberg played pretty well. Um, Elliott has obviously got so much talent, um, He's got really quick feet. He's, he's direct. He works really hard off the ball as well, actually, which is good. And that's exactly the mould of a clock player would want. He works back and and he, and he played well, but it just you know wasn't quite enough. He, he had a, he had a good shot blocked. Actually, was a really good block. One of the City defenders came across the cover, and, and again, Liverpool did have their chance and they did they did forge them out. And 
yeah, it was just unfortunately not enough to sort of bring them over the line or score more. Um, I think Vandenberg as well, actually, he seemed pretty vocal at the back, which I know Critchley said something that he could work on going forward. Um, but yeah, he, he was he, he was he was decent and he, he kind of organised the Liverpool defence well, although 4-1 doesn't suggest that. But as I say, the nature of the goal is a wide free kick, a corner and a penalty. It's not, they're avoidable and you know, it's not it's not all about how badly Liverpool played and that result I don't think quite reflected it. And certainly going forward, they've got the players there that they can build on some really, really good, you know, good players to build on going forward, as I say. And you got to remember they're playing against top, top players. When they when they played Chelsea, I think they had Rudiger playing at the back, they had Batshuayi yeah, playing yeah. up front. And they had their first team players, the Garcia yesterday, uh, on Saturday playing for City. He's played for the first team before. You know, these are really, really, really strong players. I can play against young Liverpool players who are still developing. Curtis Jones, 18, you know, got a long, a lot of time to develop. And I think it's not as bleak as it might seem from the results. Now, today is a transfer deadline day across Europe and we have some breaking news by means of uh, our producer. Hi, guy. Yeah, <laughs> wow, here us we a, go. And it, it says go. Kent to Rangers between 6 million to 7 million. So I assume it's Ryan Kent that people have agreed a deal. Not to, the county to, Kent. No, not the, the, no, <laughs> to, uh, to, to, to Park Rangers, no. Uh, it's to Rangers, Glasgow Rangers. Obviously, that's where Ryan Kent was on last season on loan. Did very well there. And this, you know, he, he wasn't playing for the under-23s as, uh, at the yes, weekend. Yes, wasn't. Uh, Looks so Liverpool are going to sell him for between six, well, it says here six pound and seven million pounds. I suspect it means six million <laughs> and seven million. So 6.5 million. 6.5 million. Well, you know, it's been a deal that's been rumbling on all summer, hasn't it? Um, Ryan Kent was playing underneath Stephen Gerrard at Rangers last Last year, played really well. They made no secret of their desire that they wanted him back. Um, he won the Scottish Young Player of the Year, um, which, you know, it's a great accolade, best young player in Scotland in the SPL. Um, Liverpool were adamant all summer that they weren't going to put him out on loan. Rangers wanted him on loan, but Liverpool stood firm. And now it looks like a deal's been confirmed. Or well, it's, it's getting, it's getting agreed. agreed. Yeah, and it, it, it looks likely. They've got until midnight tonight um, mm. to do a deal with... Are you staying here till midnight tonight? I certainly won't be. I'll be Sean Bradbury in place. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, it looks like a fee has been agreed. And I think that's probably a really good lo- a really good deal for him. He clearly enjoys playing up there, got on really well. Um Kiva, I think he was. I watched the Old Firm derby yesterday, and I was watching Rangers, and obviously they got beat two 0 by Celtic. And I thought Ryan Kent is missing from that's. He seems like the missing ingredient for Gerrard, and I feel like he's obviously because last week he came out and said, you know, nothing's changed Liverpool, and you know, it's not. The it's only not thing that's slightly sort of changed, thing. I might add in there, is that. They got quite a lot of money from qualifying for well, the I was, was going to say, exactly, you just beat me to it though. Yeah, yeah. Um, quite a few million pounds, which may have helped them fund some transfer funds. I, I believe you could be correct and there, I, yes. I feel like they have, you know, closed the gap on Celtic definitely, but obviously their quality just showed yesterday. And I feel like adding a player like Ryan Kemp, obviously we've seen him in pre-season for Liverpool. He looked brilliant, the games he did play in. And, you know, he was named, I think, Scottish Young Player of the Year award last year, which was just, you know, obviously great. And every time you watched him play for Rangers, he gave something that I think was lacking yesterday watching them. So obviously Gerard's just looking to, to add that and hopefully, you know, Rangers can kick on. Because, you know, for years we've seen Rangers and Celtic up there battling and obviously it, it's nice for... it's. Like we're saying about the Premier League, it's boring to have that sort of just like a two-horse race in such a little league, but the Scottish Premier League, Premiership needs that, I think, doesn't it? Because um, there was, I read like a rumour that he was like linked to like going to Belgium or something this morning, but obviously Rangers have come back in, which Bruce does seem, was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, does seem, it felt like that deal was dead, like it was never going to happen, but here we are. Ian, what I'll ask you is, 
A lot was made by Klopp and Liverpool over the summer about the young players and about how that was really why they weren't signing anybody. Uh, there was a lot of faith in them. Obviously, they were given a chance to look at them through pre-season. Mm. They've, Wilson's gone to Bournemouth. Kent's going to Rangers. Grujic has gone back to Hertha on loan, same as Wilson on loan. You know, do you think that was a bit of just wool over the eyes and they already had the squad and there's just no need? Do you think they've lost a player in Kent that they should have kept and maybe see how he develops? What are your kind of thoughts on that? I don't, I don't think Klopp was fibbing about that. I think he was quite... He, he's not going to come out and say, yeah, we're not only going to keep them, but we're going to play them during the summer and see what happens. I think he wanted to give them a chance. And the fact is, Ryan Kent perhaps hasn't quite been able to... I mean, let's face it, before we go any further, these are not bad players at all. No. They are trying to break into a team that's got the best attack in the world, probably. And then uh, the people next in line is Divock Origi, who scored in the Champions League final and semi-final. And then there's Rian Brewster, who Klopp absolutely loves and has got a lot of faith in him. And he's stuck by him through his injuries. And he, he's won a under-17s World Cup with England and been top scorer at the tournament. And so, straight back into the well, 21 exa- and exactly, side well yeah. England. So. so that's not to say that Kent is not a good player, but I think you saw over the summer, he's not quite at the level perhaps that Liverpool wants, whether that's because of his physique or that he doesn't quite have the pace. But Keeper said at Rangers, he's been great and they absolutely love him. It took him a little while to acclimatise, but since then he's been a, a key player for them. That's why Gerard was absolutely, Stephen Gerrard was absolutely desperate to get him back. And I think because of the age, I think he's 22, is he? 22. I think Liverpool didn't want to loan him out. A bit different to the Harry Wilson thing, which we'll come to in a second. Yeah. Liverpool didn't want to loan him out because I think they thought if we're going to loan him out, it probably won't be to a Premier League team where he's going to play all the time. So it's pointless. And the, and the only other place they probably could have sent him to was Rangers. So why not just sell him? And I think they've obviously understood when we first started writing the stories that they're going to accept an offer for Kent months ago. I think the price was about £12 million, mm-hmm. which was, you know, Rangers immediately went, well, we can't afford that. So that's that. But I think, you know, the two Liverpool have saw a bit of, seen a bit of sense. They've obviously seen a player who... They know he's not got a future at the club. Um, and he so, would have wanted yeah, he, to he go. Yeah, he wanted to go as well, yeah. I mean, I saw him play for the under-23s against Tottenham and he was, he's fine, but you could, not that you could tell his heart wasn't in it, but for him, that was the first day of the season when the rest of the Premier League was starting on the Saturday and he was playing for the under-23s. Yeah. He wouldn't have it's seen this coming. Yeah, he wouldn't himself. have seen himself. Yeah, and I don't think that's where Liverpool would have seen him either. So this deal's for the best. Going back to Wilson... He's got a loan and to Bournemouth, who are not going to get relegated. He's probably going to play quite a lot. And we've already seen, he, you know, he played in the playoff final with Derby last season, so he's played to a certain standard. It's another step up for him, and I think possibly Liverpool might see a future with him. Depends how he does at, uh, how he does at Bournemouth. But in answer to your question, I think Liverpool do have the squad, personally speaking. I still think they should have signed one forward, but Jurgen Klopp obviously believes that unless loads of players get injured, He's not going to be changing that front three by more than two changes. And he, he obviously feels he's got enough players there to do that. Yeah, fair enough. Um, another bit of transfer news today. This is the transfer deadline day that across Europe. Um, as I said, the SPL deadline closes at midnight. I think the Serie A closes at 7pm. I think it's 5pm. Is, is it 5? It's 11pm for La Liga. La Liga yeah. Um, so yeah, all today, any deals done will be today. Um and another young Liverpool player who looks like he's about to leave mm. is Bobby Duncan. Ah, Bobby um, Duncan, yes. Bobby Duncan, indeed. Um, Liverpool have agreed a fee with Fiorentina for mm. £1.8 million. He's 18. They've also got a 20% sell-on clause. And Michael Edwards has been hailed again as the transfer king who <laughs> has. has done the business, Ian Doyle. Yeah, not bad for a glorified data analyst, Indeed, is he? indeed. As, as, he, as he was referred to by uh, Duncan's, agent, Duncan's agent, who Safe, Safe Ruby. Ruby. 
Ruby, Jinx. Ruby, Ruby, Ruby. Ruby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's been yeah, it's been an interesting few days for for Bobby Duncan and I think bearing in mind everything that's happened, I think this is probably the best resolution for for everybody. I think he clearly didn't want to be at Liverpool if what we're led to believe is true, which given the fact he briefly retweeted or quote tweeted that whole statement suggests he understood understood fully what was being said in there. So he uh, yeah, he was probably his time at Liverpool was up and to get two million pounds or nearly two million pounds, I should say, for a player who's never played for the first team, barely featured for the under-23s. He's only 18. He's got a long way to go for him personally. I mean, he could end up being a very good player. I mean, I've, I've obviously, he scored a lot of goals for the uh, for the youth team last season. Uh, helped them, Sorry, the under-18s last season, helped them win the Youth Cup. But was he getting anywhere near Liverpool's first team over the next 18 months? Probably not. And I think whether it's down to him being impatient or he's been badly advised. Ultimately, it's down to, the decision was down to the player. If anything's going to be on the scenes, we don't really know for sure. Uh, but it will be interesting to see whether or not uh, his agent follows up with some of the allegations, makes official complaints. We'll be interested to see what happens with that. But yeah, Bobby Duncan on his way. I think it's for the best for everybody. And, you know, I'm not going to get on with all these fans who sell, you know, good riddance and all of that because he's a decent player and he's... he's he, it's quite clearly got a future in, the, in football, so good luck to him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another one who there's been quite a lot of interest around and still interest today, Giver, is Dejan Lovren. Um, I know that Roma came in for him in the summer, but Liverpool got a little bit annoyed with the way they were doing dealing, so cut that deal off and, and fair enough there. Um, Giorgio Cialini, the Juventus captain, centre-back, has damaged his ACL, so he's out for the rest of the season. He's been linked with Juventus and Bayern Leverkusen today, Lovren has. Um, do you think he'll be going anywhere? It's a difficult one, isn't it? You don't really think he's going to move on deadline day, but if Liverpool, it seems to be like if they can get a good fee for him, then maybe they'll just let him go. Because obviously, like Klopp said in his press conference last week when he was asked, he said, you know, last season we played obviously Fabinho in that position. We've got players who can do it even when, you know, our our looks up with the injuries like it was last season with obviously Gomez, Lovren and Matip then come to the fore, didn't he? Um I think it'd just be a shame just for sort of the imbalance. But if he doesn't want to be here and I don't really think that he would be featuring a lot. And, you know, we've spoke yeah. before. You remember you said on the last pod that he hadn't played like 10 games in a row or something, yeah. which is just, it's not what you want, is it? It's inconsistent. And, you know, he does bring that experience. He's a veteran defender, which, you know, we could speak about that, the World Cup final, etc. But, you know, he hasn't been a a week-in, week-out hero that we've got now in Van Dijk and Matip and then obviously Joe Gomez and Fabinho can be that, you know, that backup if needed. So I don't think it would be a crying shame if he left, but it just, I think, could it disrupt things maybe on the last day of, you know, the deadline day? But at the same time, it's one of them where I'm not really too concerned. I don't think it'll disrupt Liverpool's season and what Liverpool are going to accomplish this season unless, you know, the worst kind of injury hit thing happens but I, I'm really doubtful that that'll happen so yeah I could see him you know Juventus would be an amazing move for him he was obviously linked with Roma but then to go you go into win Serie A aren't you like you're not yeah. you're not going there to just like you know and obviously it looks like he'd be playing so yeah certainly a bit of interest in him um I reckon he's going to probably still be at Liverpool in January at the very earliest just because of how late it is in the day and the amount of money that would have to change hands for what level C, they're not going to just send him out on loan. It would make no sense for how old he is and everything like that. Um, 
any other sort of players that might be on their way today, Ian? Um, in any interest in any youngster, do you think perhaps, I don't know, Herbie Kane, there's some interest from people like Portsmouth down in League One and there's... There was, some suggestion, and of interest, there was and, some suggestion of interest from Rangers, but that turned out not to be true. At least it wasn't the other day when I asked. Yeah. But I mean, that's the only thing they can do now, isn't it? Loans for players to go to the lower leagues. Can't see any players going abroad now. Right. Um, so, yeah, that, that's probably the only other thing we can look out for. Absolutely, fair enough. Um, do, you another, about, do you want to talk about me going to the, the I was just under about to say, 18s? Yeah. Talking about youngsters in yeah, a seamless good. link yeah. between youngsters and young <laughs> Un- players unprompted, playing. Unprompted, <laughs> seamless, yes. Um, Liverpool under 18s were in action against Manchester United at the weekend too. It was a busy Saturday for Liverpool. Mm. This one went a little bit better than the Man City game for the Young Reds. Tell me more. You were there? Yes. At the academy? Yes, I was at the academy. Uh, got, there in a, get, got there in a monsoon. And by the time the game had finished, the summer split in the flag. So typical, a typical August afternoon there in England. Um, but yeah, Liverpool won 4-3. Uh, they were ahead three times. United got them back three times and they scored a winner right at the end. It, it was an entertaining game. Uh, there was a United player actually sent off after the final whistle. I mean, I think it was the sixth player to be sent off in the last four games, under-18s level between these teams. But it wasn't a dirty game, to be honest. It wasn't a dirty game. It was competitive. There wasn't anything nasty about it. But this player had been the one who Liverpool's winning goal uh, corner came in from the left. I think it was uh, Leighton Stewart who's claiming yeah. the, the, the touch. He gets uh, goals. He does. He does get goals. He, he claimed the touch the near post, but it definitely hit the United player in on the back of the head and went, or back on the back, I should say, and went in and helped it in. So he wasn't happy. And whether somebody said something afterwards, like thanks or something like that, then he he, he lost his ra- he lost his rag a little bit, and it was nearly a twenty-two man. I wouldn't say brawl. You don't do brawls anymore. Twenty-two man handbags. T- yeah, t- twenty-two man finger pointing and slight pushing in the chest. Yeah. I think is more <laughs> like it. But no, the actual game itself, Liverpool played very well. They're obviously a very attacking team. Uh, the, the, there's still a few players at that level that were playing for the under-18s last year who helped them win the, the Youth Cup. Not many, but there are, there are some. But it looks like it's going to be another interesting season for at that level because I think Liverpool last season scored a lot of goals in the last minute and they've scored goals in the final few minutes of the last three games. They've won 7-1, 3-2, drawn one all, got the equaliser in the last minute last week and now they've just won 4-3. Uh, one or two very good individual performances. Jake Kane in midfield was yeah. very good. Uh Niall Brookwell, who scored one of the goals, an excellent goal, to be fair. Good team goal. He also shone, and, and as did um, as did Leighton Stewart up front. He was only, he was only 16, but yeah, he's somebody to, probably to keep an eye on. Yeah, I was going to say, the few young players you thought perhaps to keep an eye on, Jake Kane played very well, but mm. as you say, and Stewart, and I thought Clarkson is a very yeah. good player, technically very good, good with the ball, good passing, good range, and all four players are certainly ones to have a look out for as they come through the ranks. They will be, and I mean, that's something that, you know, I spoke to Barry Lutz after the game, and he said, look, it's very early on in this group, and we don't like to compare to previous years, clearly referencing the Youth Cup, but he said they're a good group, and the way we like to play the game is an attacking game, puts a lot bit difficult for the centre-backs, like certainly yeah. if they're going to cough up goals like that. Uh, to be honest, United's goals were mostly were quite lucky, though, Jamie. Uh, one was a deflection. One could have been a foul on the keeper, though having seen a replay, it wasn't. And then the third goal was a little bit unfortunate on the keeper. The guy put it in, could have been offside in the initial build-up. But, well, you might say Liverpool shouldn't have conceded those three goals every time they show good character to come back and get, get that win in the end. And while it's all about preparation for players looking ahead towards the first team years down the line. If you're winning games at that level, it does not help as well with the confidence for the players. So if you're playing in a good team, you've got more chance of showing your actual talent. And I think that's what Liverpool under-18s are doing at the moment to where the under-23s perhaps aren't. Yeah, certainly. I'd agree with that. And I think particularly with the under-23s, they're a team that 
the under-18s have played together quite a lot. Mm. Um, they're a bit more of a regular unit than the under-23s are, which obviously, again, doesn't really help because sometimes the, the best under-23s players can go up to the first team and they might be with the first-team squad despite not being on the bench. They travel to games and then they don't play for the 23s and then they come in and it's a bit more disjointed. So the performances look a little bit more unorganised than perhaps an 18s game would but that's not to say the players are any less of a talent because there's certainly some incredible players there Um, anyway moving on and to the final thing today it was the FIFA best award nominations today Um, there's three main men awards and one award for the best goal which didn't have any Liverpool players or any Liverpool interest in apart from the Messi free kick that was against Liverpool (laughs) that's quite a lot of interest the best best it's no interest because it's a goal against isn't it the best consolation goal ever scored (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I um, feel like that goal might be overrated, is it not? Like, it was superb, but I feel like goals from open there, play, it is more no, having enjoyable. Been there and then you're like, everybody, it's weird because everybody in the ground was like, he's going to have a shot from here. He's going to have a shot. Like, they've seen it a million times, which they have. And they knew exactly what was coming. So we're like, he's not going to have it. Oh, he's good. No, yeah. it's like it was one of it's those. It's just like, like he does that every week. Like, I, you know, I think <laughs> he doesn't, scored, it doesn't make it any less good. He scored that, better that goals last season that than that. Doesn't make it. You know, I, fi- that I prefer doesn't make a goal where impressive. you know, like a Jordan that run from Messi, where he's just anyway. as like a wand. And <laughs> we digress. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, yeah. There's three main men awards for the coach, for the player, and it's for the goalkeeper. Goalkeeper, yeah. Yeah. Um, Legends of the game choose 10 players in each category and they get whittled down to three by journalists, by players, by coaches, by fans. And in all three categories, Liverpool have Jürgen Klopp, they have Virgil van Dijk in the player and they have Alison Becker in goalkeeper. Mm. Ian Doyle, what does that tell you just about how good and how good a position Liverpool are in right now? It says that Liverpool are very good and they're in a very good position <laughs> right now. And I would also go on to say that I actually think that the three Liverpool nominees should win those awards. I think it's. Fair. I mean, the only one you could probably argue against is the coach, but Klopp won the Champions League, and he only finished it's one an single point behind Manchester City. Although Manchester City, and I, I'm not going to stick up for Manchester City, but they won the domestic treble last year, which had never been done before, and people haven't made a massive deal of it, which I still think is a little bit odd. But I think Klopp should win that award. Allison's definitely the best goalkeeper, and Virgil Van Dijk has been a better player over the last season than either. Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi despite his very good free kick against Liverpool. Yeah, absolutely. Alisson's up against Terstegen and he's up against Edison and Klopp is up against Pochettino and Guardiola. Kiva, three winners out for Liverpool? I think so, but like Ian says with the Klopp thing, I feel like he should win because it's the European Cup and, you know, I feel like that takes precedence over anything else. But obviously Guardiola's done a phenomenal job. Um, Pochettino doesn't really stand a chance, I wouldn't say, but, you know, he's a great coach as well. Um, so that's probably the only one. Obviously, Alisson all day because, you know, he's ahead of Edison in uh, for Brazil. He's Brazil's number one, which I think would just settle the tie sort of thing, you know. And yeah, what a difference he's made to Liverpool, as has Van Dijk, who won the award last week. He's probably going to win the Ballon d'Or, which is just, you know, sensational to think how many Liverpool players are even being talked about among the world's best defenders it's as just, well haven't yeah. won the Ballon d'Or I think it's two in the last 40 odd years which is crazy yeah. So. yeah well looking like a Liverpool in a really good position we are heading into the international break now but join us on Friday where I'm sure there'll be just as much to talk about as we've had today thank you very much you've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo